Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Hacking HR podcast, the show where we talk about the amazing future of human resources and all things at the intersection of future of work, technology, innovation, organizations, transformation, and people. At Hacking HR, we believe that human resources can become the most important trailblazer, leading people and organizations successfully and effectively into the new reality of work and life. To do that, we must rise to the challenges of our times, shoot for the stars, and achieve our fantastic potential. During this show, we discuss ideas, insights, data, experiences, stories, and anything else that can contribute to helping you become and be a better HR leader and practitioner. Thank you so much for joining us today and enjoy the show. We, uh, in HR and business leadership in general, tend to rely too much on best practices, not best fit. Um, so when my first book was about human capital, uh, and even there, I was stressing that to be strategic, we need to focus on understanding what type of capabilities we need in our own organizations and then delivering the activities that will create that. And I think one of the reasons why we don't focus on social capital is because sort of 10, 15 years ago, human capital was more important than social capital. So the value of the individual people was more important than the value of the connections. And we developed HR processes that were sort of fit for purpose at that point. And we've not realized how much the world has changed. You know, if we were thinking about best fit, it would be obvious that managing, measuring, developing the performance of individuals is nonsense because we need to focus on teams and groups and networks. John provides insight and provocation, enabling companies to innovate their people and organization strategies, better fitting the new digital world of work and also their own strategic needs. John has been a co-author with Dave Ulrich on the future of HR, and he's also the author of The Social Organization, a book in which he suggests that businesses need to focus on the relationship between people, social capital, as the basis of competitive success. Hello, everybody. I am with John Ingham, the author and consultant at The Social Organization. John, how are you doing? Uh, I'm very well, Enrique. I'm wonderful to be with you and, and uh, all the listeners as well. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. And I, I want to begin right you know, off the bat with a question about social capital. I've been f hearing about this concept for at least 20 years. And I remember back in, in my birth country, Venezuela, I, I worked with an NGO uh, helping communities with project management, leadership. And back then, you know, I'm talking about 20 years ago, we were talking about social capital. What is social capital and how it is important for organizations and especially for HR? Mm. Thank you. Uh, so there were a few different definitions. Uh, I base mine upon uh, a, a major report that was written probably about 20 years ago uh, on, uh, on social capital by Sumantra Ghoshal. Um, and I've simplified his definition a little bit. So I talk about the connections between people, the conversations that they're having based upon those connections uh, and the relationships that enable them to do that. So the connections, the relationships and the conversations. Uh, you put all of those together and that provides value which can support firstly individuals in our career uh, and there's lots of research around showing that people with better social capital do better in their roles and jobs and careers um, so you can think and, and HR should be thinking about social capital on an individual basis and then I suppose my uh, 
deeper interest is around organizational social capital. So how do organizations develop the right sort of connections, relationships and conversations between their people, which enables those people to work effectively? So now let's, let's, let's get into the topic of developing social capital within an organization. It seems to me, it's just counterintuitive that when you look at the processes, the systems, the way a, an organization operates, it seems that they do everything to not build social capital. You know, they build silos. They prevent people from talking to each other. They do not foster more natural collaboration among people from different units. So it's like counterintuitive that all they do by design, it's, it's contradicting the very uh, ways in which you can build social capital. So the first question that I wanna ask you is, why is it that way? And how can we break those models, if you will, to start building social capital? And then we're gonna get into the question on how to do it you know, from the HR perspective and whatnot. Perfect, thank you. Um, absolutely, so uh, to, to me there's an issue below that, uh, which is that we uh, in HR and business leadership in general tend to rely too much on best practices, not best fit. Um, so when my first book was about human capital, uh, and even there, I was stressing that to be strategic, we need to focus on understanding what type of capabilities we need in our own organizations and then delivering the activities that will create that. And I think one of the reasons why we don't focus on social capital is because sort of 10, 15 years ago, human capital was more important than social capital. So the value of the individual people was more important than the value of the connections. And we developed HR processes that were sort of fit for purpose at that point. And we've not realized how much the world has changed. You know, if we were thinking about best fit, it would be obvious that managing, measuring, developing the performance of individuals is nonsense because we need to focus on teams and groups and networks. But because we're not thinking in that way, because we're still thinking about best practice, we've missed how much things have changed. Um, so absolutely, um, you know, organization design, you were mentioning silos. Um, and by the way, I don't, you know, I don't personally believe that hierarchical functional organizations need to result in silos. I think that's bad organization design rather than just functional organization design. Uh, but clearly these days there are more opportunities to use communities and networks and more social ways of organizing too. And then Absolutely. So much of what we do in HR still focuses on human capital, not social capital. Um, so, you know, very exclusive talent management processes where we single out the, the people with the greatest potential and we invest disproportionately in them from a human capital makes a, a human capital perspective makes perfect sense. But as soon as you focus on the social fabric of the organization, it's complete nonsense. Yeah. Um, or we were just talking about sort of the extreme capitalism that we're seeing in many places in the world uh, before we, we started recording. Um, you know, very high reward differentials inside organizations from a human capital perspective may make sense. I think there's quite a bit of debate about that, but I can sort of see why we might do what we do. But from a social capital perspective, as soon as you have differentials of several hundred times from the most highly paid to the average employee, just destroys the social nature of the organization. It's complete yeah. nonsense. Yeah. Um, so, so it's, it, it, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's a really important um, point that I think we need to get our heads around. 
for for what you're saying, I'm I'm guessing that you are a believer on uh, measuring and rewarding performance at team level rather than individual level. Um, well, I think. Uh, I think we well, again it, it, it needs to be best fit so uh, we need to th we need to be smart and focused on the context of a particular organization I think anything that we do try to do at team level rather than individual level tends to be harder um, and you know we're already struggling to to measure and incentivize people on an individual basis so we shouldn't rush to do to try and do the same thing at team level, because yeah. if we're struggling to do it for individuals, we're going to struggle even harder when we do it for teams. Um, so the first and simplest thing may to be to do for many organizations is simply to stop incentivizing individuals like we're doing at the moment, because that can destroy collaboration in, in many different contexts and organizations. Um, but yes, you know, the, there's a growing, um, th there's growing experience about, uh, measuring the performance and rewarding teams and we should be building on that experience uh, I think in the main the answer tends to be not replacing one for the other but combining the two um, so you can't move completely to team-based performance management and reward uh, but we can certainly sort of combine them more effectively but you do still need the individual focus because otherwise you get this sort of social loafing yeah. uh, effect where everyone sit back and, 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 and waits for somebody else to perform. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, love, I love the idea of uh, putting all in the context of what is best for that individual organization. And you talked a little bit about best practices. I was having a conversation recently with somebody else and he said to me, best practices are just the way mediocre organizations work. <laughs> because they think that there's nothing that they can do better than that. It's like, it's like, the, it's like the very average, and then you, you embrace those practices and, and you end up thinking, well, this is the best that anybody can do. <laughs> so I, I, found, I find interesting that you mentioned that because, well, many organizations end up bringing you know, practices that, that fit other organizations, maybe not them, and they end up, you know, making a mistake because, you know, they end up doing something that doesn't make sense for, for their operation, for their people and whatnot. So I'm, I'm loving uh, the fact that you are, that you're bringing that up and that you're talking about context and best fit to when, when thinking about any practice, in this case, um, um, uh, social capital. So let me ask you this, John. One of the, one of the things that I, that I think is the most difficult for business leaders is to connect any transformation initiative, any, any idea, uh, innovation, whatever it is, with the return on the investment that they have to make for for that one thing, right? Uh, and especially when when whatever you're talking about, strategy, idea, does not seemingly impact the bottom, the quote unquote bottom line directly. So, how do you, if you were to sell the idea of we gotta build more social capital in this organization because at the end of the day is the best thing to do. The organization is going to be more productive, more effective. The performance is going to be higher. There's going to be more collaboration. How do you sell that idea? How do you tell, uh, you know, data-wise, but also story-wise, how do you tell business leaders this is what makes sense? Uh, well, um, there, are, there are so many approaches you can use. Um, I, I'm not sure return on investment is, is necessarily the most 
useful thing you can focus on. And in a sense, I think that takes us back to the sort of best practices we've been discussing. Um, so a sort of return on strategy, I think, is a much more effective focus you know let's be clear what we're trying to do and what the social aspects of that might be and then look at how well we we're, we're doing in implementing that that particular thing i think that takes us in a much more effective direction and in particular um one of the um key things that i've always been convinced about in terms of, of measurement and analytics more broadly is that i think particularly in HR, I, I mean, actually in life and business in general, but I think it applies even more strongly in this area, is that the more important something is, the harder it is often to measure. Um, so all of those best practices, which aren't particularly important, you know, there's tons of data on all of that in our HR information systems, and we can measure it objectively, and we can compare it and benchmark it and return the uh, calculate return on investments till the cows come home. Um, whereas the, 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 the aspects which are most important to our businesses and the, the more strategic elements tend to lend themselves more naturally, I think. And, and, and clearly, you know, our capabilities in analytics have been um, developing hugely. And yet still, so much of what is most important lends itself most naturally to qualitative and subjective measurement. So if we only focus on the numbers, we miss the real artistry of what's important in our organisations. Um, so I think return on investment, I, I, I think it's important, but I think it's a conversation, you know, or, or it's a... Yeah, no, I just, want, I just want to say about that you think, you know, there's, I, I, I do get what you're saying, but there are still a lot of leaders that that's the language they speak, right? And when I, when I talk to HR leaders, I say, you know, you gotta speak several languages, you know, like just like, you know, lang actual languages, you know, they rewire your brain. Same thing applies when you speak several business languages, you know, you speak finance, you speak technology, you speak HR, and yes. that gives you a whole new world of, of connectivity with people yes. within the organization that may not seemingly care that much or speak the language that you speak in HR, but when you speak their language, then you're able to translate ideas from your world to ideas in their world. So I get what you're saying, but it's still a lot of leaders think, you know, all right, how much is it gonna cost? How much is it gonna make? Right, so. so so to an extent, we can respond in their language. Um, so you know, there are techniques. Organization network analysis, for example, has uh, becoming much more popular, or certainly topical, in terms of the number of people who are talking about it over the last couple of years. And that can really help us get some data on collaboration with inside organizations. Um, and I'm really pleased that that has become more popular. But at the same time, I, in a sense, I worry it's just becoming another best practice, and organizations yeah. are just doing it because everyone's talking about it but it depends it depends what you're trying to do if you're trying to create social capital then organization network analysis is a wonderfully aligned form of analytics to give you insight about that if you're mainly focused on human capital then conduct an engagement survey you know the, it, it, it's picking the measures and the analytics for what you're trying to achieve so look, the, the, there are ways of, 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 of playing to that business narrative and Separately to that, to be more strategic, particularly to create social capital, we have to change, we have to influence the narrative. Um, to, to be more people-centric, to be more group-centric, we have to start what I call creating value. We have to look at ways of being strategic by 
developing the capabilities of our people but by leveraging the human and social and organization capital that we have access to so that we're not just supporting the business to achieve what it, it it's trying to achieve but we're offering new opportunity new insight new potential to a business and we're enabling the business to set new or more stretching business goals not just meeting today's business objectives but offering new opportunity and unless we're doing that Personally, I don't think we are being more strategic. Now, doing that comes with a different perspective. It, it, you know, again, this thing about being more people-centric has become much more uh, topical these days. Mm. But I'm still not seeing that many organizations which are trying to change the nature of strategic success to be people-centric as well, who are building their businesses and their potential for competitive advantage around what people can do. And to do that requires different ways of managing. And part of that is changing the language, is, is creating a language where we're able to talk about more, you know, the what's often termed sort of, you know, soft and fluffy sort of you know, language about people because people are the center of business. And unless we can use that language, we're not going to get very far. Yeah. Oh, I, I was going to ask you, uh, this, this is fantastic. And I, I love the word value. I got, I got a number of questions for you. Um, but, but I'm going to begin with this one. A, when, when, what, what things, what, what practices do you see happening today in existing business models that should change to become more social capital building, more people oriented? So how, what, what are those practices and how could they look differently if they were truly people-oriented? Mm. Well, look, um, I, I think business models do need change. Uh, I'm not an expert on business models, so there are, um, there, there are plenty of people you can talk to to give you more insight on that. But I do focus a lot on organization models. So the, the way that we organize, you know, we, we need, and HR certainly needs to be thinking about the, the, the organization model that we have in place that enables the business model to work effectively. So the, the organization model is about the activities we undertake to create the right outcomes that will enable the business to be more successful. So it's, it's, it's how do we create an organization that enables us to develop the right human organization social mm -hmm. capital. Um, and I suppose, uh, I, mean, I mean, some of the things I'm particularly passionate about, and I've already referred to uh, obliquely perhaps, um, well, so um, there's a lot of things we can do on an individual basis. Um, you know, we, we can focus on strengths. We can recruit the best people rather than people who simply fit a job description. Uh, we can do the sort of job crafting, job sculpting thing where we create jobs for people rather than fitting people to the jobs. We can enable them to set their objectives rather than trying to cascade all of them down from the business plan. Um, we can use discretionary rewards rather than sort of trying to have this big scientific process across the organization. So there's lots of things we can do at the individual level. And then at the group level, um, again, I've, you know, I've, I've, I've got nothing against hierarchical functions. I, I, I don't believe that hierarchies are going to disappear. But I think we can um, uh, supplement them with people-oriented ways of organizing. And that's particularly around things like communities and networks. Yeah. Um, so bringing people together around things that they're passionate about, because if we can do that, people can often achieve results uh, without having to sort of point them in a particular direction or try to incentivize them because 
these are things that they're intrinsically motivated to do. So all we need to do is to bring them together, facilitate them, support, and just allow people to, um, uh, you know, to, 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 to carry on and do the things that they want to do. There is huge potential in organizations to tap the energy of individuals working for us um, in a, in a, sort of a bottom-up, um, sort of democratic, conversational sort of way, rather than um, sort of purely relying on command and control. Yeah, absolutely. So if, if, I, if I was a business leader and I say, all right, I'm, I'm sold to the idea of think more about social capital within my organization, which I didn't do before, but now I'm, I'm thinking about it. What I start today, you know, I take some time doing what I need to do to build that new model. What can I expect to see at the end of the process? I know that there's never an ending of this process, but say after a few months, what do you, what, what can I see that is, that can reassure me that there's value in the work that I'm doing to build, to build that social capital? Will I see more informal, natural collaboration? Will I see people being more curious and, and innovative, innovating more? Will I see a leadership that is coaching better? you know, their people, what, what do I see at the end of the process that really gets me into the, into the mood of, of doing it? I mean, those are all great examples. And, and yes, you may well see some of that. Um, I mean, I think, first of all, you would hope to see an improvement in business results because that's clearly the, the whole purpose of doing it. Um, and then however you're defining social capital for your own organization, whether that's measured through an organization that network analysis or, 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 you know, a range of different approaches, you'd hopefully see some results in those areas as well. And that might be about people uh, investing in uh, more innovation or be more agile or you know depending on what's important to the organization um you know uh, I, I mean so social capital in an army is going to be very different to social capital in a hospital for example mm. because you know it's all social capital oriented but the nature of the connections and relationships you're trying to create are, are, are clearly going to be very different um but yeah i think um well, look, let me give you, I mean, I mean my, my favorite example um, at the moment, and we did talk briefly about this on the, uh, the workshop call not too long ago. So I'll, I'll, I'll only give you the, the short answer to this. But what's happening at the moment in the pandemic as a result of remote working is in many organizations, people are spending much more time collaborating in the mm. teams that they're already part of. You know, people are focusing on their most important relationships and, um, you know, are being very proactive in maintaining the level and energy and effectiveness of those. And that's a really positive thing. And I don't want to knock yeah. it, you know, because it's, it's not been easy for people. But I think we've done it very effectively. But all of those more discretionary relationships across the organization, which are at the heart of innovation in particular, um, you know, have, have decreased. So you're seeing, you know, in, in the Microsoft world, for example, you're seeing an upswing in Teams, but a, a, a downfall in, in, in things like Yammer. Um, and, and, and similarly, in, in, in lots of different ways of having looks up, a, a look at what's happening in organizations. Um, so the it, it, again, this is only best practice, but, but, but the best practice I would single out at the moment that HR should be focusing on is how do we use the all the technology tools that we have at our disposal and that people are now using much more effectively, but using those in a much more constructive organizational wide way so that people aren't just simply focused within the teams that they're, they're most closely associated with, but they're looking at those broader, um, more... Um, um, 
by sort of weak ties oriented uh, um, uh, connections across the whole organization and they're 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 ensuring that that those sort of serendipitous opportunities for, for connection are in place as well because people aren't bumping into each other in the corridor they're yeah. not you know sitting next to somebody accidentally at lunch and we need to recreate some of that in a digital environment i i think that is so powerful i because you know the work that i that i'm doing with hacking hr and we always say we're all about community i mm -hmm. i truly believe in the collision of ideas in the cross-pollination of ideas and you know when people ask me like you know what what is your role in hacking hr i say well I'm, i build bridges and I build bridges to make sure that people have the opportunity to connect with others that are in different regions of the world, that are in different professions or fields of expertise, because it is in those connections that we are increasing the social capital of the world. And therefore, we are given the possibility to, for more ideas to cross-pollinate with each other and create more innovation and whatnot. So I love, I love what you're saying. And I love that you're saying that we need to create, we need to be more intentional about creating the opportunities for people to, to, to talk to each other, to, to come across each other in the digital world. Because, well, we don't have the coffee machine at, you know, in the workplace anymore. We don't have the you know, kitchen pantry anymore. So we gotta do it differently in the, uh, in the, in the digital world. So John, let me ask you this question. I know I don't want to oversimplify what we're talking about, but if there was a playbook, you know, a one, two, three step process, if you, if you will, that, that for, for HR leaders and business leaders think about going forward when it comes to building social capital in their organizations, what, what would those three steps look like? What would you tell them to do right now you know, that is, that is easy for them to start implementing or easy or doable. I mean, I don't want to say just easy, but doable. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so um, I think the first thing is to focus on the outcomes, the capabilities that you're trying to create. Um, and this isn't my idea, by the way. I mean, this is, this is you know, Dave Ulrich and, and, and lots of other people. Um, but be really clear about what you're trying to create in your organization. So again, what type, what nature of human organization and social capital? Because that's, that, those are the, I mean, so many HR people and HR teams still don't focus on what the capabilities we're trying to create are. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of focus on the activities we're undertaking. And, and these days, a lot of focus yeah. on the business results we're trying to facilitate, but we forget about the, the qualities, the capabilities of our people. And it's really important that we focus on those. We understand what those are. And I think it's a really positive thing that these days there's so much focus on employee experience. Um, but for me, the employee capability or the organization capability is still more important than experience. It's, it's what we're trying to create rather than simply the way that we do it. Um, so to have real clarity over what those things are, because if we're not really, really clear what we're trying to create, we can't do best fit. It's impossible. You know, we, so we, we fall straight back on best, on best practice again. Um, so first thing is the outcomes. The second thing is um, being creative about the activities we can put in place to create those outcomes. So again, this is about moving away from the best practice um, yeah. or, or you know, uh, looking at the opportunities to supplement our existing organizational functions with communities and networks, whatever it may be new different ways of creating those outcomes more effectively, partly because the world has changed. And secondly, because, you know, all of the digital technologies in particular we have access to enables us to do HR in very different ways. But it's not just disrupting for the sake of disrupting. It's disrupting so that we can meet those outcomes much more effectively. And I think then the third thing 
um, associated with this growing focus on employee experience is not trying to do all of that ourselves, but part of that focus. And, 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 and you sort of referred to it yourself in terms of, um, um, oh, sorry, I've lost the point, but um, <laughs> we, 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 a lot of this we, we can sort of build in. We can design for the organization. Yeah. So we, we can create the outcomes or we can plan to create the outcomes that the organization needs. But a, another really effective way of creating those outcomes is um, it's sort of lightening the organization, is, 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 is encouraging more informality so that people can create the required capabilities themselves. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I do think this increasing focus around employee experience and getting closer to our people and creating organizations where people can do the right thing from their perspective not necessarily just creating the outcomes that we want them to create, but you know what they see as being important. I think that's a really big, important, fairly new agenda for HR as well. Yeah, no, and that's a, that's a powerful agenda going forward. And uh, you know, the the because now we're because of the pandemic, a lot of people are working from from home, and work has changed, of course, dramatically over the past four six months. And, and part of the changes that we've seen is the evolution of the role of leadership because, well, traditional, I don't want to say leaders uh, because I don't think they are. I just think that the traditional way to lead people or to manage people is by just making sure they are sitting on their desk, that they are, you know, punching the, the time card, you know, in the morning and in the afternoon, whether they are sitting there doing something or not, that's a different question. But the role of leadership now has, has dramatically changed because now they are more facilitating conversations among their teams and coaching them better, being more human by incentivizing creativity rather than providing the answers to, you know, to, to, to the questions that they don't really know how to respond. So what's, what's, you know, if, if we are to achieve this high-level social capital organization where there are more, there's more collaboration, more natural uh, uh, connections within, uh, within the organization, what, what, what is going to be the role of leadership uh, going forward? What, what's, what's, what are going to be the capabilities of those leaders uh, you know, when we achieve this, this very uh, interconnected collaborative organization? Yes, totally. Um, so, that, I mean, that is a major focus of mine at the moment. So, um, when I wrote my book on social capital, the social organization, I didn't really talk very much about leadership. And that was partly deliberate because I think um, perhaps leadership has less importance in the future mm -hmm. than it's had in the past. Or it depends how you talk about it. Because, in a sense, leadership is now more important. But, you know, everybody now needs to lead. You know, we can't just rely on people at the top of the function. So, it's, you know, everybody has to take uh, responsibility for. Um, in, for, for developing the best organization or you know, at the point that they're working in the best way that they can. And, and you know, if you call that leadership, that's fine. Um, and, and the second reason that I didn't talk about it in the book is, I, I guess a little bit like you, I was feeling uh, rather dissatisfied with the quality of a lot of existing leaders. Uh, and one of the bits of research I quote in the book is from a US psychologist, Adam Galinsky, who does this thing called the E-test. Uh, where you have to take a, uh, a felt pen, which fortunately I haven't got in front of me, so I won't embarrass myself, uh, but you have to write a capital E on your forehead. And of course, there are two ways you can do that. So you can either 
uh, write the, the letter E so that people looking at you can read it or you can read it or you can write it so that you can see it so lo looking outwards. And it's a very simple, easy test, not of how empathic you are, but of how empathically you were thinking at the time you drew the E. Um, but, you know, he's done this test lots and lots of times in lots of different organisations. And it's so it's not quite a correlation, but he sort of says, look, there, there is certainly a link between the seniority of leaders in the organisation. So the higher up the hierarchy he goes, the more likely it becomes that they draw the letter E so that they can see it rather than the people they're talking to. And it shouldn't be that way. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, I would love leaders to be more like... Um, the, the type of leader that Simon Sinek describes in Leaders Eat Last. Uh, uh, e, e, last, yes. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think they are. You know, I, I, I think we, and, and it is a major failing of HR. It's another thing that we need uh, to rethink in today's social capital oriented world. Um, you know, how do we select and promote the right people into senior hierarchical leadership positions because I don't think it's taking place at the moment. So I agree, the future leader, firstly, it's got to be everybody. It's distributed across the organization. Mm -hmm. Clearly, it's more social, more humble, more collaborative in nature. And then the thing I'm really interested in is if you accept my argument that we need to think more broadly about the type of organizational groups, so rather than just have functions or silos, uh, you know, we, we, we're clearly organizing people into sort of project teams and agile teams more. And as I would hope that communities and networks become more, uh, more important and more common, I think each of those types of groups require a very different style of leadership. Yeah. You know, so leading a team, even in a people-centric social type of way, is very different to leading a community. Yeah. Um, so I think um, I'm, I'm intrigued, not just by how we sort of move the whole leadership agenda and the population of people who are acting in leadership positions and, and, and completely change those, but we, um, yeah, we need to think much more uh, broadly and creatively in exactly the same way I've been talking about for all of our HR activities. We need to be thinking like that in those sort of terms for leadership as well. So how do we really understand what leadership needs to look like in our organizations and what are the things that we can do to start creating more of those leaders? Yeah, and that, and that proposes a very beautiful assumption here, which is that not every leader will have the ability to lead under all, under all circumstances or all kinds of team, which means that we, and I'm hoping that we see this, we, we, we are less rigid about people sitting in uh, uh, positions of authority and more flexible and fluid. Meaning if John is the greatest person to lead agile teams, well, then John is gonna be leading this, this project. But if Enrique is better leading communities, then Enrique is going to lead the community work that we have to do for this thing, even though John and Enrique are, you know, leading each other in, in the teams in which they are participating. So I think that's going to be a, a fantastic development, if you will, in the evolution of leadership. Uh, John, any last, uh, any last uh, thought that you want to put forward to our audience before, before I let you go? Well, if I've got a couple of minutes, uh, really just to go to, back to your points about hacking HR. Um, and I, I, I completely agree about the importance of this type of community or network. Um, and I, I tried to do something, well, not, I was going to say similar, but it's not similar. Uh, but in, in the early days of sort of social media, inside in the UK, we created 
uh, a social HR community called uh, Connecting HR. And we did sort of five and conferences and 20 tweet ups and, you know, very successful in its own terms, although nothing of the same sort of scale or impact of hacking HR. But, you know, looking back at it and we're, and we're I think we're coming up to the, the 10th anniversary of Connecting HR later wow. on this year. Um, I, you know, it's 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 still one of the the the, the things I, f I feel most sort of passionate and proud about having been involved in. Um, tremendously important, and I think particularly at the moment, given all the challenges we're facing and the you know people are working at home rather than in their in their organisations, that you know hacking HR and you know similar uh, collaborative vehicles around the world, uh, or again not similar but you know lesser collaborative vehicles <laughs> are, are just so important. And um, I'm 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 so impressed and pleased that you're doing all of this, and um, yeah, look forward to, to to further involvement in the future as well. So well Thanks. done. Thank Thank you, John. I appreciate it. And, and uh, as you can see, it's all passion about building social capital. I, I am a true believer in, in the fact that the problems we're dealing with in the world today not only are complex, but they are common. And if you think about climate change, for example, which is one of the most common and complex problems we have in the world, a lot of people still are like, well, I don't know. This is happening, you know, in Bangladesh, you know, the rising oceans are going to be put in that country, you know, 30% underwater. But, you know, I live in Montana in the United States and I don't care about that. But you think about something like coronavirus, which is a complex problem and we're all going through it. Okay. And because of the nature of this, the, the complex nature of these problems, but also, also the common nature of these problems, I believe that the only way to resolve them will be through radical innovation. And that's going to be achieved only if we're able to collaborate across the world. Individually, we are not going to be able to do anything. And that talks about how important it is to build social capital within organizations, within societies, within regions and countries and, and whatnot. So um, I'm kudos to you for bringing this topic forward to the business world, because I, I think in the social world, it's, it's, uh, it's embraced already, even though it's been difficult to actually make it happen. But in the business world, it's, it's, I think it's, uh, uh, it needs to be talked and, and, and discussed more. So, John, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much. Thank Cheers. you. Thank you, everybody. See you in the next podcast. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.